0: morning morning. it's good to see all of you and again if you're a guest thanks so much for joining us my name's Tim and if I had the chance to meet you I would love to do that right after the service I'll be through these doors and I'd love if you just come up and introduce yourself and I can thank you for being here that's also where our free coffee and refreshments are after the service and uh, we would love just to be able to hang out with you on this first Sunday of May can you believe it May is here May is here and uh, as we start this new sermon series called Foundations, and as Christian said, May is a big month for us here at Shepherd's Gate. I like to call it May Madness. Uh, some of you that like basketball, you know, of March Madness, but it's also just a time for us to come together and celebrate. Uh, one of the key terms I think that, that we would use to describe our church is family. Would you say that's true? And so as a family, even though you're not at the 1130 service, we're going to have all these incredible students here, uh, which is probably why you have a little more elbow room today. Did you notice that? There's more gaps. It's because they're all going to be at the next one, the people that are normally next to you. Uh, But you are connected to them. You're part of their story as much as they are part of your story, because together we are a family here at Shepherd's Gate. And so we're just excited to be able to have these different opportunities to come together. And today we're going to be looking at foundations, because what we believe Matters. It really does. The foundation that we lay in our lives, the foundation that we lay in our kids' lives, the foundation that we lay in our church is so important. In fact, what you believe determines how you live your life. Think about this. The reason that maybe you're here today, the way that you spend your time, the way that you spend your resources, all of those things are a result based on what you believe about life. And I want you to think about it like this as well. What we believe as a community, as a gathering of God's people, as a church, actually determine how we influence others. There's a direct connection in what we say and what we do and what we teach and what we believe and what we confess and what we do at the church's resources. All of this is connected. And as many of you know, our theme for 2019 is Own Your Influence and we've been walking through this journey together and for most of the the theme for this year, we've been looking at it how it relates to us as individuals. But this morning, I want you to think about this as how do we own our influence as a church? How do we do this as a congregation? What is it that God has entrusted to us that he now expects us to then leverage in our lives for others as a community of his people? And if you were here three months ago, on our 39th birthday, you might remember we looked at our foundation, the foundation that this church has been built on, and we we went all the way back to the founding pastor, B. Dale Thomas, and we looked at John Bjorgard, who was the pastor after him, and then John Trinkline, and we looked at what the mission was of our church and the direction that God had led us during those strategic times in our church's history. And you might remember we did a drum roll, remember this, on your laps, and I said, here, I'm here to announce our new vision and direction for Shepherd's Gate. You remember this? And I gave you this incredible information, right? Because we don't have one, right? We're trying to figure this out as a church. What is our mission? What is our vision? What is our strategy as we move into the future? And as I told you three months ago, the, the goal of this is to do this together as a family, as a church, as a congregation. And so you got a lot of paper on your way in. Did you notice that? Some of you are, why does the ushers keep giving me all of this stuff? They gave you that stuff because I asked them to give that stuff to you. And so if you have this card, I would just encourage you to grab this card because together as we're figuring this out, as we've been reading books, as, as we've been diving into this, we need your feedback. We need to hear from you of why you think our church exists. Why does Shepherd's Gate exist? Are we just another church and so we... Come together and it's like Groundhog's Day. You guys just show up on Sunday and, right? We sing, we pray, we read God's word, we pray, we sing, we eat a cookie, we leave, right? Like, what, what, what is it that God has called this congregation to? Why are we strategically placed in Shelby Township on 23 Mile? We're getting all these new neighbors. You notice all the buildings that are going up. What, they're like coming around on all sides. Like what is all of this for? What is the purpose, God? What is it that you have for us? And we would love to hear why you believe Shepherds Gate exists. What, is, what are we uniquely positioned to do? And today we're going to be looking at one of the foundational things that we believe as a church. It happens to be communion. And communion actually brings us together in community. And community is a vital part of our current congregation as well. So um, there's chair Bibles in front of you. I invite you to grab one of them. We're going to turn to page 958. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians, uh, which was actually uh, the book that we looked at the first five weeks of this year and we strategically um, skipped over the passage that we're going to look at this morning because we knew that we'd be coming back to it now in May. But it's 1 Corinthians, the the eleventh chapter, page nine fifty eight. If you don't have a Bible, we would encourage you to take the one home that you're holding right now uh, with you. We just believe that's the greatest gift that we can give you. So please make sure you do that today. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse seventeen, is Paul talking to the church in Corinth, the church that he planted, and he's received word about some of their practices and some of the things that has happened. Again, as a corporate body and so they weren't really owning their influence and he's kind of calling them out on it and saying that they veered from the plan that God has for them. And so in in love and grace, this is what he says to them. But I mean, following instructions, I do not commend you because you, because when you come together, it is not for the better but for the worse. Now stop there for a moment. You imagine if someone came in here and said that to us, that when we gather on Sunday morning, this actually isn't very beneficial in fact, it's the exact opposite. We have veered so far from God's plan that it's actually worse that we come together as a church rather than it being a positive and it better for you and for our kids. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's is really hard to hear. But he says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, and I like this because he uses the word when, right? He is assuming and he knows they're continuing to meet. They're continuing to meet as a church. I hear that there are divisions among you Imagine that, a church having divisions. That never happens, right? Everybody loves everyone. No one ever says anything negative about somebody else in a church, right? No? No? We're like everyone else, aren't we? And he says, And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, think of this, it's not the Lord's supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. Wow! Wow! One goes hungry, another person gets drunk. Isn't that wild? And then he goes, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in or you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And because he was the founding pastor, because he was the church that planted this congregation, he had the ability to be able to speak into their hearts under the direction of the Holy Spirit as he writes this to him, as he writes this challenge to him. And as we look at churches in our context, in our world, right, we see church bodies that, that, that make decisions that, that used to believe one thing and now all of a sudden they say, well, we believed this for hundreds of years and all of a sudden we're going to change what we believe. And so we're over here and we believe this now. Or maybe there's churches that that get caught up in in, in the mess of things and all of a sudden, you know, they they were so outreach focused and they they were about the community and then something happened and all of a sudden now they're a country club and they're all inwardly focused and it's all about them and they spend all of their time and resources on just the people that go to that church. And it kind of forces us to have to look at Shepherd's Gate, right? Who are we? Why do we exist? God, are we getting this right? If Paul was alive today and was writing a letter Uh, Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Shepherd's Gate, what would be the warnings He has for us? God, where are we missing the mark? Where have we stepped over the line? Where do we need to come back in line with things? It's kind of interesting when you look at statistics on churches nationwide that the church is actually, Big C is actually in decline. That the churches are declining, that churches are struggling with church attendance. And, and, you know, we've looked at that here at Shepherd's Gate. Like, what, what's happened? You know, people that used to go four times a week are now going twice a week. And maybe people that go twice a week are going once every three months. And so there's kind of this movement away, or people that only come once a week to church think that's regular church attendance. It's kind of interesting because 39 years ago when this church started, the founding pastor, B. Dale Thomas, he kind of had this challenge for the congregation. He told them they should never, ever miss worship. Other than two reasons, two reasons, you had to be on your deathbed at the hospital, or you had to be dead. <laughs> it's pretty easy to remember, right? Be Dale. So either be on your deathbed or be. It's just a. Not, it's a good challenge, and so often you know pastors I think now are, are, are you know afraid to to say that you know because we don't want to you know be offensive or, you know, cause division and stuff like that. And yet, we live in a day and age when God's given us this incredible technology called live streaming. And here at Shepherd's Gate, we've been live streaming our services for 14 months. We've had, you know, great success. We've heard great testimonies of those who are sick and shut in. It gives people in our community to check us out before they ever step foot in this place, which all the statistics point to this. This is the new front door of the church that people will check you out online before they ever come in and sit in your church in your seats. And we're getting ready to take the next step in our live stream. We're going to be adding chat features and we're going to have somebody that's going to be chatting with people online as they join us. And we're so thankful for those of you that are even watching now. I don't know if you noticed, but we don't have cameras anymore. Did you guys notice that? They're all hidden in the ceiling. Isn't this cool? And we're adding more chairs and the sound guys are going back where the ushers used to be so we can fit more chairs in here. But one of the things that I read that I was just kind of perplexed by was that uh, one of the things that makes it difficult for people to come to church on a regular basis is that once your seating capacity is 70%, people are uncomfortable. You ever heard this? Those of you in the church world? And it said 70% that people won't come back because they were just too close to people. And this bothers me. The reason this bothers me is because it makes no sense when you look at everything else in our society. Follow me here. My wife and I, for the last two years, we belong to a boxing gym where they put you in front of a boxing bag and you have your boxing gloves and the person that's next to you is you can reach out and you can touch them on the left and on the right and you can put 50 to 60 people in a boxing gym where everyone is punching a boxing bag with all of their might and as you can imagine, sweat is flying everywhere. And yet, nobody is complaining. We go to these classes and they're packed out. In fact, sometimes they'll have us get on the ground and do push-ups, they'll have us do planks and you're literally, your head is touching somebody else's feet. I mean, you're, you're, you're that connected to each other. We just switched to this place called Lifetime. Any of you go to this gym called Lifetime Fitness? These big gyms? And so now we've been taking these you know, new classes and so I decided I should go to this cycle class, right? Get on a bike and ride. And I get in there and I'm, and I'm kidding you not, you are on this cycle bike and everybody is, there's 50 bikes in this thing and you're all smashed into this small room where it's like a disco. They have all these lights and loud music and it, this is like the wave of the future, I guess. Everybody looks like garbage. Everybody's sweating. <laughs> and nobody's complaining that they're smashed in there together. Not one person, right? So I sit there and I go, wait a second, why is it when people come to church and they have to sit next to somebody that's actually showered and wearing dress clothes and has cologne or perfume and their knees touch. oh, that's it, it's out, they're not coming to church anymore. I don't understand this. And the only other example I could use for this is on an airplane. How many of you have been on an airplane, right? How is it that you can fall asleep on an airplane next to a complete stranger for hours and it not bother you? but don't come to church and sit next to somebody. Don't be a little uncomfortable in church. You've got to have some elbow room, or you'll eat a full buffet dinner, right? You'll just have all that, like you eat dinner with a straight. It's just nuts. And so we're trying to figure this out. What does this look like? And if that's the case, fine. We've got to gap the chairs a little bit. But what, the bigger issue is the, the decline in the church attendance, that, that people don't see the value of being connected in community to one another. And I think if Paul was here and he was alive, he'd think that's what he would be writing about what is going on and that we make this commitment to be in church, to be faithful, to receive what we're going to receive today, holy communion, which communion is called communion to bring us together, to bring us together in communion. You're going to see this as this plays out. He says this next, For I received from the Lord which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he says, This is my body which is for you. This is a gift for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He's reminding them of the words of Jesus. Do this as often as you drink of it remembering me. For as often Again, he's expecting them to come together. He's expecting them to be in church. He's expecting them to receive Holy Communion. And often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's why here at Shepherd's Gate, it's been the practice since our existence that we always regularly and frequently receive communion. This is a non-negotiable for us because we understand the power of communion. We understand what God has called us to to do in communion. In fact, we desperately need what communion provides us. Let me say it again. We desperately need what this incredible meal provides us. That in, with, and under the bread and the wine, that Christ is truly present and he gives us his very body and blood. And as he gives us his very body and blood, that he actually forgives us of our sins. Think about that. You receive the forgiveness of God when you receive communion. And as you are receiving the forgiveness of God, he's actually strengthening your faith. He's putting part of him in your heart and in your life so that when you leave here and you face this crazy world and you face the obstacles that you face, that God is going to be there with you and give you the wisdom and guidance and help you navigate life. It's an incredible gift. And not only does he do that, but he puts you in a church family, he puts you in a community and when you come to communion, you come with other people because you see the value in that as other people are able to speak into your heart, into your life. It was incredible because obviously I've already preached the 830 service and after the service, how many times people came up to me and told me about the testimonies from being in small groups and from being uh, connected to other people here at Shepherd's Gate and people that weren't sure about this church and they weren't even sure about being in a small group and they stepped out and they faith and they did it and what a blessing that's been to them in their life. But see, for us, it starts with us. Again, it's individual that we would confess our sins that we would be real about our shortcomings, that we would be real about the things that have entangled us, the things that have led us away, the distractions of life, a lot of first commandment issues, I'm going to guess, because that's what they are in my life, but we always want to put everything else above God in our life. You know, it's interesting when you kind of look at even the small sins, right? Even though all sins are equal, like unforgiveness and how so often we still struggle with unforgiveness or bitterness, or jealousy, or resentment, or gossip, or hatred. I mean, go on down the line. All the things that so easily entangle us. I'm here to tell you, I'm no different. I struggle with these things in my life. I struggle with these things in my family. I struggle with these things in my marriage. In fact, you might remember a couple weeks ago, we had Holy Week, and Holy Week's kind of a big week for us here at Shepherd's Gate you know, it can tend to be stressful for the staff and we're trying to, you know, line up all these services and do everything that we can just to, to honor God and to bless you and to bless those that maybe have never been here before and, and tell them who Jesus is and point them to the gospel. And I'm a planner and so I had planned everything out and I was just expecting to have this like week where I would just spend most of my time with God and, you know, going over my messages and just making sure that everything was lined up correctly. And so I even went to bed early, you know, the plan was to go to bed early every night so i get the proper amount of sleep and, and especially on Holy Week that on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday I would spend all of that time just preparing my heart, preparing my mind. And when you know, Monday night came and it was about two in the morning and I was sound as asleep, sound as asleep as a baby, and I was holding on. Is any, do any of you hug pillows when you sleep? Anybody do that? I don't know why, but I do, and I was hugging a pillow when all of a sudden, I felt, this was my perception, that the pillow was violently taken from my arms by my wife. (laughs) My perception, right? And when you're in a dead sleep at two in the morning, that is a very difficult thing in reality to wake up to, right? And so I ended up, it's like my mind wasn't there, wasn't alert, I wasn't sure what was going on. I wasn't sure why that that she had done this. Um, And so the next morning, I was not a happy camper. (laughs) And I was not very nice to my wife and she literally looked at me and she's like, I didn't know you were holding the pillow. I thought the pillow was just there and so I was just grabbing the pillow because it's her favorite pillow. It's the pillow that she always sleeps with and I had, you know, unintentionally grabbed that, which I didn't know people had favorite pillows. Um, Do any of you have that? Does anybody, you have a pillow? So you will wake your spouse up if they, look at this. I... We, most of, Think about the people that don't have a favorite. There's 100 pillows probably on your bed like mine. Can't you just use a different pillow? No, it has to be that pillow. And so we argued all morning, took the boys to school. We argued all afternoon. It shut my marriage down for two days. I'm not joking. She can tell you this. And it was me because I was holding on to bitterness and resentment because in my mind, it, no matter what she said, she knew I was holding it and she violently took it. And she's like, I would never violently take a pillow from you. Mm-hmm. But that's how things seep in, right? And, and you talk. Talk to people who struggle in their marriage, right? That could have started a domino effect, right? I could have just held on to unforgiveness, not unforgiveness, she could have held on to it, or me never acknowledging that what I said was wrong and the way that I was treating her to, you know, leading up to, think about this, leading up to Good Friday and Easter. <laughs> and here I am and I just happen to have my uh, weekly meeting, so I meet with John Crawl every week and we just get together, we talk, we pray together. He tells me what's going on in his life. And I know many of you have asked how he's doing. He's doing, he's doing really well. He's doing really well. Yeah. And so, um, is he coming back? he's coming back in June. Yes, he is. So, um, <laughs> he was always coming back. There. Um, and so, uh, we decided to meet at Panera Bread, which we never meet at Panera Bread. I, I don't know why, but he said, hey, let's meet up on 26th in Van Dyke. And so we go into Panera Bread and we're sitting across from each other and he looks at me, he goes, you don't look very well. And I gotta remember, the point of our meetings is not to talk about church. We try really hard not to talk about church. We talk about our personal lives, him more than me. I'm supposed to be there as a support system for him um, as he's continuing through his sabbatical. And so I said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. <laughs> And those of you that know John Crawl know that all he has to do is take his arms like this, he'll fold them like this, and he'll turn his head to the side, and it's like the Holy Spirit comes out of him. And he looked at me and he said, really? And I kid you not, tears started coming down my cheeks. I started crying, and I cry four times a year, right? You say I have four emotional breakdowns a year. I am not a crier, I'm not an emotional guy, I was worried, I'm like, oh my gosh, people are going to see us, they're going to wonder why am I so emotional, why am I having a breakdown of Holy Week, this is nuts, this isn't what this is supposed to be about. Then I remembered I was in Panera Bread, (laughs) which I was happy because construction workers and big strong dudes don't go to Panera Bread, right? More women, so it was a safer space, and so we got to talk and share our feelings, and it was great. And he pulled me out of it. Somebody in my community, somebody from his church, we were able to talk in dialogue. And he was able to help me through that. And I went home and I did what I should have done from the very beginning, not accuse my wife of something she didn't do, but also say, I'm sorry for being a jerk. I'm sorry for treating you this way. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's sometimes when we're sitting here for communion and we may have fought the night before, we may have fought that morning, and I have to literally turn to her and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, forgive me. That's what God has called this church to do. If you read this passage, if you read Corinthians and all the struggles that they had, most often it was about forgiveness for each other. And that there were still divisions, he uses this word divisions, over and over again throughout all of Corinthians. But here's the good news for us is the word remembrance in the text means that we actually relive the experience all over again. We think about communion and we we say that we do this in remembrance of him. We don't relive our sin over and over again. What we relive is what Christ has done for us on the cross. That he bled and died. That he took our sins, our failures, our shortcomings, whether it's anger toward a spouse or something we said or something we watched or something we did. Whatever that sin is and he paid the penalty for us. And when we receive it, we proclaim that. We agree with that. We say, He did something that we can't do for ourselves, that while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. We relive it over and over and over again. We're reminded of what He's done. But not only are we reminded of what He's done, we're reminded of the grace and the mercy that He gives us in this meal. That again, we're forgiven that again he parts our sins as far as the east is from the west, that he, that, he, that he removes them from us, he remembers them no more and he puts us back on the path that he has for us. Who wouldn't want to be part of that? Who wouldn't want to have that on a continual, regular basis? And not only does he do that, he puts us in community with each other. He puts us in community with each other. And I want you to see, because this is how he ends this portion of the scripture. He says, Then my brothers, When you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait. Why would he tell them to wait for each other? Because he wants them to see and to experience the other people in the room. He wants them to know that this is about connecting not only to God, but to connecting to each other in the body of Christ. Just when you go to a restaurant and the waiter or the waitress brings your food, you don't just start eating. You wait for the other people at the restaurant to get their food so that you can all together begin to enjoy the meal. That's what God has called us to do and I know for us in our practice here it can be seen like such an individual practice, right? Because when you bow your heads and you close your eyes and you kind of have that individual confession and even as you come forward you're kind of in a line, you're in a line and you're, you're standing there behind somebody and you kind of come up and you get the elements individually Today as you come up, I would encourage you to do this. Look around. Look at all the people that you're connected to. Look at all the other people that are receiving communion today with you. That being in this church, that being in this community is a blessing to you. That we wait for one another, that we acknowledge each other, that we see the value of being in relationship. Because in communion, we are called into community This isn't just a religious practice or something that we do, you know, twice a month. This is something that we do to bring us into community with each other. And today I want to show you a video because community is such a value of ours here at Shepherds Gate and I want you to watch this video this morning with me. your life is you know sometimes it seems like it's it's insane to try to get one more place in the week but every single time we meet we leave here saying wow we really needed that and we are so glad we came. I don't just come for the, the cookies and the barbecues and stuff I, uh, my favorite part is really the, uh, the Christian friendships and the, the Christian families we get to, to spend some time with uh, a couple times a month uh, and kind of do life together.
1: It's fun! It fun? It's
0: fun! Because we can play outside, outside. and inside. Yeah, inside, and we're going to make a fort. And have you guys all become close friends? Yeah, we've been
1: around the each other for a long
0: time, so probably yes. For me, growing up, it was always very special to have um, my close friendships and relationships with um, other kids from church, and I always wanted that for for our kids. So just to see the kids all grow together in their faith and when they get excited to see each other at church on Sundays, it's just, uh, it's really special and, and important for, for them as they grow in their faith. So It's a great way to have a group of friends that if something comes up just in our everyday life, which it always does, um, if there's any issues, we know we have a group of people that we can contact and we can have them praying for us and we can reach out and we can have that support and that um, just the support from other Christians and knowing that they're praying for us and um, showing us the love that we need in times of difficulty in our life. Getting together to socialize and, and, and talk in a, amongst a group of other Christian-minded people, it was really uh, comforting and not as nearly as intimidating as I thought it was going to be. And uh, now it's something I look forward to every time we go. Will you please welcome Al Kemp, our small group coordinator, as he comes at this time. Al, what a blessing you've been for us here at Shepherd's Gate. You've been on staff in this position for the last year and a half. And can you just give us an update on, on the status of where we're at
1: with our small groups and community here? And uh, Sure, Tim. Um, Tim, referred, <clears throat> excuse me, Tim referred to community many, many times in the message today. And... You know, in this large room, we're all together as a community, and then there's the 830 service, and then there's the 1130 service, and you put all that together, and that's a large group of people. And Tim's delivering a message and, and ministries at a very high level. But where, where small groups come into play, it really takes, takes that community, community aspect and drills down to a very intimate and very personal level. We've got um, 32 active uh, small groups. Some people refer to them as house churches. Some people refer to them as small groups. We have 32 groups in existence today uh, that uh, have about 328 people to be exact, adults, that are participating in those groups. There's 78 children and young adults that also attend those groups with their parents. So there's a good portion of the um, uh, Shepherds Gate population that are in attendance in those groups.
0: And our goal is 100%. Right? We want 100% of people that call Shepherds Gate home to be connected to somebody else to go
1: through life together. I think that's what my bonus is predicated on. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> <That's> so good.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, even the video that we saw today is one of our young family groups and uh, maybe just explain uh, the journey that they've been on and what's happened with their group.
1: Yeah, they, they, the group that, um, that, that you saw, uh, the video, they were in existence for quite some time and still are in existence. And um, there were six families with a lot of children involved, and they met on a regular basis. They were growing together. They were in God's word together on a regular basis, and they were doing life together. Um, so it's not just strictly uh, 100% of the time in God's word, but you saw the barbecue grill going. You saw playscapes in the backyard being used. Um, so they were, doing, they were doing life together. Um, what had happened is God tapped one of those people on the shoulder. And said um, you need to consider maybe stepping out of that group and forming a group on your own. And she took that calling, and she did. And the group now has uh, ex- broken off. The person has broken off, started a new group. There's six six families involved with 19 children, 19 little children that are involved wow. in that group also. And the in the existing group, um, the group that she came from, it has has built back up, and there's more more families now involved in that group also.
0: That incredible! It's awesome. So, if someone's here today and maybe they haven't stepped over that line, they're still hesitant. They're they're not sure about it, or or maybe they're ready to jump into a group. What 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 should they do? What's their next step?
1: Well, the the first thing is if if it's on your heart, if it's if it's even you know poking a little bit at you, that's God telling you that it's time to do something, and and um, you know it, you hear it, you know it, and. What you need to do is do something about it. Um, you could be the first time, you've never been in a group before, get in contact with me. I generally, um, in between all services, I'm out in the fellowship hall. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me through the church office, get a, get a, call the church office. In the handouts that you had today, my contact information is there. My email and what hap- have you is there, all, uh, is there also. Um, but it's not strictly just for somebody brand new getting into a group. You might be in an existing group now, that you're saying, you know, I've been in this group for a while, and let's be honest, maybe it's getting a little stale, and it's time, maybe I should step out and try to try to start something on my own. Um, or it's a group that, that maybe it's time to say, well, there's three couples need to go this way, and three couples need to go that way. Um, that, type of, that type of approach is, is also available. I, I guess bottom line is if it's on your heart, if it's on your mind that, that something needs to be done, do something about it. Move on it and get a hold of me, and, and we'll make it happen.
0: And your stuff's in the sermon outline this morning, yeah. Yeah, as well as the church are on
1: the website. So Al, we Absolutely. just love you, appreciate you, everything
0: that you're doing, and, and the way that God's working in and through you. Thank so you. can we give Al another hand this morning? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So here's the challenge. As followers of Jesus, let's answer the call to be in community. Again, we know that this being such an important part of our church and being a family And it starts today with the Lord's table. He calls us to himself, he calls us into fellowship with him, and he calls us into fellowship with each other. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, this is where we just have a a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and to our minds that we would confess our sins to God, that we would put those things that we know have kept us between us and him before him. And maybe you're sitting next to somebody this morning and and it wasn't a good night, it hasn't been a good week or a month, or maybe this morning something blew up and you need to squeeze their hand or just ask for forgiveness this morning. I would encourage you to do that as well. But let's just take this moment. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask God that you would open our hearts and our minds as we take this time to confess our sins to you. This morning, your Heavenly Father has heard your confession And because of who Jesus Christ is and because of what he has done for us on the cross, he forgives you of all of your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this remembering me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take drink. This cup is the new covenant of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, remembering me. And so we come now and we receive this incredible grif- uh, grace and mercy that our God has for us in this meal. Amen. Will you please stand with me? Now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior may it strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith until life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Receive the blessing of our Lord this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Thanks again for being here this morning. We hope that you'll come back And join us next week for Mother's Day and all throughout the month of May. Those of you that are watching online, hopefully you're still watching us. Uh, God bless you guys too. Hopefully we'll see you in church next week as well or again online. But have a great week and God's blessings to you.